Ronaldo vai partir para a bola, Ronaldo, Ronaldo vai partir, paradinha, atirou, golo! Já está! Já está! Já está! Hello and welcome to Portugal podcast number 97. Now, the original plan for today's show was to review the 2014-15 season, but upon hearing the news this morning, there was nothing left to do but to rip up the script. This, of course, is after the incredible bombshell that just weeks after leading Benfica to their first back-to-back titles in over three decades, Jorge Jesus, the coach, has walked away from the Estadio de Luz and signed for none other than cross-city rivals Sporting. It's not official yet, but all the Portuguese media are saying it's a done deal, and it's really taken the, the whole country by storm. I was just watching the news today, which is the, the general news uh, on TVE, and uh, I had a look at the clock. The first 26 minutes were <laughs> dealing with this story and nothing else. So nothing else in the world matters at the moment in Portugal. <laughs> As you can see. So, uh, to discuss that and maybe a little mini review of 2014-15, I'm joined as ever by Portuguese football coach and journalist Vasco Mota Pereira. Hi there, Vasco. How are you? I'm good, Tom. Thanks. And you? How about you? Yeah, okay. okay. Are you excited about this <laughs> move? Still to... recovering. <laughs> as I wrote in Twitter a little earlier after hearing the news and just uh, going through various sites to, to check I wasn't you know, uh, just hallucinating. Uh, I think I just had to have a little lie down to <laughs> to get over it. <laughs> it really is uh, incredible. Okay, Vasco. So, obviously, this uh, JJ bombshell we'll have to go into in some detail. But first of all, I'd like to quickly summarise your thoughts on the performance of Portuguese teams and coaches in 2014-15. Uh, so... Starting off, I suppose, with the champion himself, Jorge Jesus, uh, led Benfica to his to their second successive uh, championship title. Uh, how did he manage it, despite having his squad decimated last summer? Well, I think this this uh, this success, uh, this 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 particular title for Benfica, should be a clear indicator of just how good Jorge Jesus is. I mean, uh, I, I, I am aware that he has his flaws and I'm the first one to point them out. Uh, but still, I think it's, this is the, the true measure of just how good he is and of, uh, what stability can bring to a club because, um, he has been indeed been able to create, uh, a very strong backbone, uh, in the Benfica squad, uh, like Luizange, Zou, um, sorry, um, Maxi Pereira, even Jardel, for instance, has been at the Stade de for a while now. Uh, Lima. Um, and it uh, helps integrate other players and it helps uh, give other players uh, uh, a general idea of the blueprint that Jesus follows, which is uh, very difficult for players who are not used to it. So I think this is a, a direct result of the confidence that Luis Felipe showed in, in Jorge Jesus a few years ago when things weren't looking as rosy and Supporters were claiming for his head. Um, I think this is the direct consequence of, of, of that planning ahead, of, of sticking to a plan to stay in course. I think this is that direct result, and of course, of Georges Zouch's unbelievable ability as coach. And I know people will say that Porto was, were, were 
weren't, weren't as strong as they used to be, etc. But I think next season will probably prove just just how much uh, Benfica will miss their now former coach. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting that you picked out uh, Maxi Pereira, Luizão, and Jardel, and uh, Lima, of course, and uh, all of those really did play key parts in uh, in the triumph. And uh, like you said, although I suppose that's really wasn't the way Benfica worked these last few years, it's really important with such a high player turnover that you have those kind of players who yeah. understand the coach's methods mm-hmm. and can transmit his ideas. Yeah, because it really helps. Um, I remember uh, Jonas, uh, an interview he gave not long after he arrived, and he was a bit, uh, I would say, miffed <laughs> with a uh, with the general idea of Jesus. Like he was a bit lost, and I, I'm I'm sure that uh, uh, being able to, for instance, to count on on Lima to help him to help him uh, understand the movements that the coach wanted. Uh, where to move, when to move, to understand what he was asking of the players. I think it was definitely a plus rather than just uh, 15 new players every season. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've got a slightly different question as regards uh, uh, Jorge Jesus. Uh, is his style of play perfect for an unbalanced league like Portugal's, where the best teams are really so much better than the rest, uh, but unexportable to other leagues or indeed to European play? Because I asked this because I must admit I was quite surprised that uh, no foreign club apparently has come in for him, or at least one, you know, one of the really big clubs, which uh, I'm sure he would have bitten if uh, if that bait was put in front of him. So uh, why is it that uh, do you think his style is really just tailor made for for Portugal? Mm, I will start by 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 the the last part of the of your question. To be honest, I wasn't really that much surprised that no one came for him because uh, in the papers, I mean, in the football-related papers, I mean, in England, in Spain, George's name never really comes up. I mean, not in the in the sense of, of being curious about him, of, of drafting some profiles about the, the wizard in Portugal or something like it happened, for instance, with Village Boas and Mourinho before them. Um... And I've never quite, I never quite saw the buzz around George Zouz. And I think that, uh, on, on the one hand, I think it has to do with exactly what you said, uh, in terms of, of the European play. He has never impressed in the Champions League. There was one quarter final against Chelsea. But other than that, Benfica had so far performance in the Champions League. And for, for Europe, or at least for the, the caliber of clubs that George Zouz wanted, uh, if you don't, uh, if your team doesn't uh, perform admirably in the Champions League, there's really not that much chance of you uh, having a phone call and requiring your services. Yeah. So on the first part of your question, I think that uh, I think you're bang on. I think his his style is perfect for 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 instance the Portuguese league or the Spanish league, for instance. Um, but I think it's I don't think it's unexportable. I just think that uh, it wouldn't work out as well because, as we see in Europe, when things are more balanced, Jesus really likes his teams uh, to attack uh, often and very intensely, which sometimes or often leaves them unprotected at the back. And it's not that his teams don't know how to defend because they're 
really, really good at it, but it's just that he prefers that his team defends with uh, as few men as possible, which means that even numbers at the back is a very frequent situation, which when you're playing against without being mean to anyone, but if, when you're playing against Boavista or Guimarães or Stubo, even if you concede three or four chances, uh, probably they won't score, or if they score, it's just the one goal and they figure score six. When you're in Europe, or if, for instance, if you're in England, where everyone has the potential to harm you, uh, it becomes a bigger problem. Yeah, very interesting, as usual, Vasco. Okay, let's move up north. Unan Lopetegui, the Porto coach, uh, he was attacked quite fiercely, almost from the off, by the Portuguese <laughs> press for several things. I just made a little list here. He was uh, criticised uh, very heavily for his rotation policy, for his lack of knowledge of the Portuguese game, for the way he treated Quaresma, uh, benching him and not even picking him at the beginning of the season when he seemed to be playing well whenever he did give him a few minutes and of course for his constant ranting at referees now uh, I'm in a bit of two minds about this, was there a touch of uh, xenophobia do you think at play here, especially when you consider that it was not just Lopetegui but uh, also a whole raft of Spanish players who arrived at the Dragon or uh, am I maybe uh, being a bit unfair there and was it just merely criticism that was well merited? Well, I think part of the criticism was at least f- fair to be asked of Lopetegui, whether I agree with it or not. Uh, another part, I think it was, I, I'm not sure if it's xenophobia, because even supporters' supporters didn't give him much credit, to be honest. And um, I I live up north, as I think most people know, and it was quite often to hear Porto supporters question their coach from the off. Uh, Even when Porto hadn't played like more than two or three games, people were already complaining. Uh, So I think there was there was some some resentment. I think that this was not the man Porto needed to fight Jorge Jesus Benfica, and an overwhelming feeling that uh, this wouldn't be enough. And I think, in my mind, I think that was more important than than the fact that he was foreign. I think the xenophobia started when Porto started importing, like you said, the, the raft of Spanish players. I think that touched the nerve there. That's the, that I agree with. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, Jose Mourinho when he... Uh, course when he went to Italy and then he went to no when he first went to England to Chelsea uh, he took I think about three Portuguese players three or four Portuguese players and it was very interesting hearing him a few years later uh, speaking and he was saying how important it was uh, when a foreign coach goes to a foreign country not to overdo it in those terms not to fill your teams with your countrymen because that just has the tendency to maybe cause divisions in the squad itself and also, of course, perhaps even more importantly, to uh, start uh, exactly this problem and get in the crowd, the fans of the club, asking questions. Are you in this to try and improve the club or are you in this to try and improve the the fates of your compatriots? uh, Exactly, because then you start (laughs) posing the questions if he's uh, bringing the players by 
because of their value or if it's just to do favors to the businessmen who put them in Porto's uh, leading chair in the first place. And I think it raises a lot of questions that uh, he could be, he could live well without. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, in this particular case, I think I didn't see it coming, to be honest. I, I remember people asking questions about that, if he was going to bring every Spanish player on the face of, of the earth, and I was saying, I don't think, at Porto, I, I find it strange because I, the structure is usually smarter than that because, like you were mentioning very well, you create clicks within the group, you click, because it's a matter of perception. If he was the, the fairest coach on earth and giving everyone equal opportunities, players who don't play will still think that any Spanish player that plays uh, is just because he's a fellow country. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, of course, Lopetegui is quite interesting that uh, Jorge Jesus, of course, had a successful season at Benfica. Marco Silva had a successful season at Sporting. Relatively successful, I think we can say. Uh, Lopetegui probably didn't have a very good, uh, much success at Porto, and yet... Lopetegui was the first coach to be uh, confirmed for next season so that shows the faith which Pinto da Costa has in him and uh, looking at the big picture it's not that often that Pinto da Costa gets things wrong so let's see what happens next season uh, I think okay. it's just confirmed for the first match of the season <laughs> then we'll talk about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah he really has got no room for error now has he yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Okay, uh, moving on to Sporting and Marco Silva, who uh, in all of today's commotion has been a little bit of a forgotten man, but he is actually officially still at, uh, let me have a look, 3.51 on uh, Thursday the 4th of July, of June, uh, the Sporting manager, but of course it looks like that he will be uh, in that position just for uh, a matter of hours or days as a Georges Ush is about to be uh, presented officially. And so, uh, a simple question for you, Vasco, about Marco Silva. Of course, did a fantastic <laughs> job at... Uh, never a simple question. <laughs> <laughs> simple question. I'm not saying the answer is simple, but the question is... <laughs> uh, of course, he did a fantastic job at Estoril to, uh, to get the, the chance at Sporting in the first place, got them promoted and got them twice into Europe. Uh, this season, his first season at Sporting, Ended with Portuguese Cup triumph, of course that dramatic win last week, and uh, third place in the league. Uh, could he or should he have done any better? In, for my money, no. I think it's a very. I think that we can discuss about the way about doing things. Uh, in terms of of results, in terms of what he what he reasonably could have done I think it's uh, Barfacos at least he was able to build on last season's uh, expectations uh, so to speak I don't think that fighting for the Portuguese title was ever a realistic goal uh, so third place uh, was good enough I think it, it could it could have been a bit better in terms of the uh, uh, total points, but okay, third place is okay. And uh, Portuguese Cup, I think, was a very important step uh, for for everyone at Sporting, whether it's uh, uh, directors, coaches, players, to just to, and supporters, of course, just to to point out that Sporting are really uh, in the right direction, just a bit uh, steadier than usual. Um, 
and facing the right way uh, and already able to bring some silverware uh, to the trophy room, which I think is, um, I think some, was something that Sporting was were in badly need of. Uh, so I, I think he's, he's done well enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Vasco. Of course, that was Sporting's first trophy that won in seven years. Yeah. Uh, and as Marco Silva said at the end, a, a club of Sporting's dimension can't go seven years without yeah. winning a trophy. Okay, Vasco, so now we have to discuss the astonishing news that has broken (laughs) over the last few hours. Uh, You and I both commented that rumours suggesting George Jesus would leave Benfica and go for sporting were nothing but nonsense. Uh, Well, it looks like we're the ones who are looking (laughs) the fools at the moment because it has happened. Now, this uh, throws up a whole string of questions. Uh, are you ready? Mm. <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> okay. First one. Will this be a historical blunder by Benfica? I mean, can you come up with any reasonable explanation as to why to let him go? He won six ti- uh, three uh, championships in six seasons. He's won the last two. He's won ten trophies in all. If we remember what Benfica were like before George Jesus and uh, where, where they are now, uh, well, there's just absolutely no comparison at all. Uh, so how do you explain this? Uh, will, Benf- will Benfica live to regret it, Vasco? Yeah. <laughs> <I don't>, <laughs> <I> <laughs> okay, <think>. next question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is one of the, of the few times where my answer is very, very similar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes, I think Benfica will live to regret this. Yes. I, I saw a stat just a few minutes ago. Uh, that read Benfica had been uh, had trailed Sporting for the last uh, four seasons before Jorge Jesus, and then had led Sporting for the for six following seasons, which I don't think is a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, the only, I mean, it's not the only reason, but I think the main reason was that Jorge Jesus was not willing to uh, suffer a pay cut, and um, apparently, according to everything I've been reading. Uh, we should have really wanted to change things in terms of, of the players to use uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the squad. And I mean, by that I mean to use more players from the academy and because uh, third-party ownership uh, will end, so Portuguese clubs will be forced to resort to their own players and players that they can afford. And uh, so Benfica and Porto and especially these two, will have access to uh, less good players. Uh, so Luis Oliveira was adamant that he must use uh, players from the academy, and I think it's some, it was something that George Zouz was not entirely happy with. And on the other hand, uh, he didn't want to suffer his pay cut, and he thought that he deserved more, not less. And uh, so it... it uh, <laughs> The Pandora's box was open. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I can understand the point about the academy players, but, I mean, surely the... Uh, I mean, surely this question of uh, his wages is crazy, wasn't it, by Benfica? I mean, okay, if you pay him... He was reported of getting €4 million Euros yeah. a year, which, of course, yeah. is a very 
good wage, especially by Portuguese standards. But if you think about the players, the amount of money which was brought in due to the way that Jorge Jesus developed players, uh, Coentrão, uh, Witzel, Xavi uh, Garcia, uh, Matic, uh, Enzo Perez, uh, yeah. I mean, you can go on yeah. and on and on. Yeah, you'll be listing them forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could just go on and on and on. I mean, that that really is a, a bit yeah. of a drop in the ocean, isn't it? Just a, yeah. if you're yeah. quibbling over one or two million. I was I was exactly I, I was having that discussion last week or something, um, and I was saying exactly what you just mentioned in in a in a budget of 100 million euros, um, a couple more to your coach who promises and then delivers, and, and like you were mentioning, I, I don't have that much to add because he is the I wouldn't say the sole responsible one of the main uh, people uh, that brought about this change in Benfica where you can see Benfica every year going to the Champions League, which uh, dramatically increases the, the, expo the exposure of the players to bigger clubs and whets their appetite. And, and, and Benfica players used to be sold by a million euros, half a million, on a free, and then suddenly they become uh, valuable. Fabio Quintan went for 30 million from Javi, like you mentioned, Javi Garcia, Vitzel, They were all sold by 20 million, 30 million euros. And I think everyone agrees that the, the coaches merit, not exactly a fortunate set of circumstances. So I, I couldn't agree more that even if he uh, was demanding a couple of euros, a couple million euros more, I mean, it's a drop in the ocean, like you mentioned. I think, uh, I think they will live to regret this. Yeah. Okay, well, you just mentioned it uh, a while ago, the question of the academy uh, players maybe was uh, also at the root of his departure from Benfica, but of course this brings us to an interesting situation being at Sporting, because of course Sporting, uh, it's really, you could say in some ways, defined their identity over the last few years, uh, the way they've used their academy, uh, you know, given their players the, a chance in the in the first team, uh, very young, uh, there's been lots of, you know, no end of examples of uh, fantastic players which have come through the Sporting Academy. Uh, they've got a good crop now, also still at the club, but with uh, JJ there, who's almost as famous for, uh, I wrote here, Sporting are famed for using their academy players, while George Jesus is almost as famous for completely ignoring his at Benfica. So, How are these two things going to be conciliated? Well, I think, uh, for one, I think Sporting have been using more of their academy lately. It's true, but out of necessity, not necessarily out of a master plan. I think it's because the money dried up, because before before that, that uh, before the, the faucet was <laughs> shut, um, It wasn't like that. Sporting were making a lot of the same mistakes that Porto and Mexico were making in terms of, of buying uh, abroad and spending a lot more a lot more money than probably they should have. Uh, and then, as the circumstances changed, they were forced to resort to their academy. Uh, I don't think I think it's a matter of degree here. I think, as far as I know, Lichtenberger was much more demanding in terms of the the use that George Zuz had to. With, uh, with their academy players. Um, I think Bruno Carvalho was happy to oblige to anything George Zuz said, and I'm sure he is, he mentioned like, I don't have to play academy players if they're not good enough, and he's, I'm sure 
Bruno Carvalho just said, sure, sure, you're the boss. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think Jesus has anything against uh, players from, from the academies. I just, because I remember a few comments, um, isolated comments in interviews and press conferences where he was very honest and very direct about uh, about it being a very different game between the B teams and playing for Benfica, the real thing. And it's a very different game. It's a very different set of circumstances of demands. And if he didn't see during training, if he didn't see if, that the players had what they got, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. It wouldn't be fair for the players and for him to play to play them uh, in front of the crowd to to put such a high demand on their shoulders, etc. And so I think if Sporting's players are as good uh, as they think they are, both the players and the president, I don't think Jesus will have a problem in playing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, talking about the president, uh, Bruno de Cavalho, sporting president, and George Sijus uh, himself, they are both pretty abrasive characters, I think <laughs> uh, it's fair to say. Uh, never afraid to put others in their place when they see fit. Uh, is this a belligerent winning combination, or is it a recipe for disaster? Oof. If I had, if I was, a, I were a gambling man, I would bet on the on the latter. Ah, <laughs> yes. Yes, I think um, I think it would be very hard to 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 combine these two men for the amount of time necessary to something for something to come out of it because it it takes time to to build uh, the team that Georges wants. It takes time for the players to learn his methods um, and. Bruno Carvalho is a bit of a, he's, a, let's say he's trigger happy. <laughs> yeah. So he's a bit volatile. So I'm not sure if he will be able to, to afford George Zuz the time and the patience and most of all, not meddling, uh, in football issues. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, if there won't be some match, uh, where, where they won't explode. Both. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's very interesting. Of course, he has earned this reputation and, uh, well, deservedly so, Bruno de Cavallo for being very hands-on and, like you said, being very, uh, having a lot of intervention when it comes to the first team uh, of sporting, first team football, well, really, all aspects of the club, but uh, not one of these uh, presidents who likes to stay in the background. But I suppose you could argue that the two coaches he's had, uh, both Leonardo Jardim and Marco Silva, were both kind of quite low-profile coaches. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you could argue that, well, maybe, you know, uh, he, he, he had room to do that. Maybe he even, uh, in some ways, you know, you know, helped with a bit more of a, an abrasive attitude. But uh, with Georges Jesus, uh, do you think that he'll be happy... Just to uh, you know, let George Jesus uh, face the bullets and fire the bullets, and just to keep uh, a little bit more in the background. No, so far nothing I've seen or heard about from uh, Bruno Carvalho leads me to believe that. To be honest, I think he's on the one hand very passionate about sporting. I think that much is clear, and on the other hand, I think he has a thirst for protagonism, which I don't think doesn't. Go very well with the president um, of such a an honourable club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure if he will be able to just uh, sit, sit back and, and just uh, enjoy the ride, so to speak. I don't I'm, I don't see it happening, especially if things 
at first if things start going sour I have my doubts but as I think we've established in this uh, podcast we've been wrong before <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, we have been known to be right occasionally, though. So <laughs> <laughs> don't be too down, Vasco. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, just to finish up, a couple of questions. Of course, Benfica are expected to appoint uh, Rui Vitoria as uh, Jorge Jesus's replacement. The Vitoria Guimarães uh, coach done such a fantastic job up there. Uh, is this a good move, in your opinion? This is one where I where I where I would venture a very straightforward question and just utter a simple no, no way. I I don't see it coming. I don't see it happening. You don't I think, think it's, you don't think it will happen, or you think it may happen and it won't work out? No, no, I don't think it will work out for for the Chico, Sorry. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. If it happens, I think it's the wrong way to go. The, the, yeah, I think it's uh, it's proof that they. I mean, and by they I mean Benfica directors have not understood what it takes to be a good coach. And okay. I'm not in any way disparaging Rui Vitoria's work, which has been fantastic in Guimarães and Pasteleira before that, but it's a very, very different sort of beast in Guimarães, and there's nothing in Rui Vitoria's career so far that um, leads us to believe that he's the right man for the job. His football is leaves much to be desired, it's it's uh it's I mean I think it's adequate for Guimarães and Pasfreda because it's about grinding results, but I haven't seen I haven't been impressed uh, at all by by Vitoria and we have talked about him in previous podcasts and I remember you asking about uh, Guimarães and in I in my opinion I still don't think his is a very good proposition as far as football is concerned and I think. In Benfica, you have to be careful about the coach that you select because uh, it's just not—it's not just about winning. You have to win a certain way, and I think it was one of the secrets of Jorge Jesus' uh, era because he knew that it was important to win, but to put on a show and to attack relentlessly and to dominate and to conquer your opponents, not just winning one 0 with two defensive midfielders, three centre backs, etc. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, what next for Marco Silva then, Vasco? Uh, one or two rumours that uh, he may be off to Sevilla. If escapes um, uh, me the name of the Unai, uh, yeah, Unai Emery. Yeah, if Emery has had such a fantastic season there, uh, if he moves on to Napoli, I think that's what the papers are saying. Uh, then Marco Silva might end up there. Uh, what do you think? Do you think? Uh, that would be a good move for him, or do you think that will happen, or do you think maybe a little closer to home? Mm, I, closer to home will be difficult, I think. Because yeah, closer to home, like over the other side of the Segunda Circular? Um, I think it would be a better bet than Rui <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't see it happening, because I don't think um, Benfica were that impressed by Marco Silva. Uh, but I, for one, would choose Marcus Silva over Rui Vitoria any day. Um, I think he has a very different understanding of of the game itself, uh, and I think it would be it would yield better results for Benfica, to be honest. And I think it would be easier to go down for Benfica supporters than 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 Rui Vitoria. If he actually goes abroad, I think it could work out. He's uh, 
He's very. I, I quite like the, his his manners. I quite like his his approach to things. And I think that if he's, for instance, at Napoli, uh, at the Seville, sorry, at Seville, I think he would have uh, a good combination of not exactly super high demands and some time to adjust. I think it would be a good option for him. Yeah, and of course uh, he'll have uh, one or two Portuguese players there as well to uh, yeah. yep. to help him bed down as well. Yeah, but okay. they're, they're already there that he won't bring, which makes all the difference. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, time has beaten us again. This season has only just finished uh, this last weekend. I don't know about you, Vasco, but I already can't wait for the next one to start. <laughs> uh, we will. I'll be happy to have a, a few weeks off, to be honest. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. We all need a little break. This has been a bit manic uh, these last few days, especially. But. Uh, Things don't stop at portadol.net because we will, of course, be keeping track of all the events uh, during the summer and a special mention for our in-depth coverage of the Under-22 World Cup going on in New Zealand at the moment where Portugal have made a fantastic start and, uh, and also the upcoming Under-21 European Championships in the Czech Republic. We'll be covering both of those in depth, so remember to check out the site www portugal.net that's p-o-r-t-u-g-o-a-l dot net ok nothing left for me to say apart from a big obrigado to Vasco for your expert insight thank you so much Tom thanks for having me it's okay. been a while <laughs> yeah cheers Vasco keep well and thank you listeners até a próxima <laughs> <laughs>